Happy Monday, everybody. LA is being engulfed in a massive tropical river storm. I don't really know what it means, but it's raining a lot. And the NBA trade deadline is this upcoming Thursday. So Patrick and I are going to give five players we each think could be on the move this week. And then we're going to wrap up with best take, worst take, which is really just going to be like the worst take grand, <laughs> not finale, but there's just a lot of bad takes circulating this week. So let's get into foul trouble. James, are you a rain guy? Do you like rain? No, Some people just I, like stand the hell out of rain. And I'm sorry, for this Arizona boy, I just do not get it. You know, I kind of like it like once in a while if I get the one rainy day. But like four consecutive rainy days is a huge L. Yeah, no, it, it makes me sad. I feel like the thing might be, and I, I know this is the case for you as well, is like I'm never not busy. And like a lot of people that love the rain, like like the aspect of like sitting down, like enjoying the rain inside, which is an oxymoron in itself. But I don't know if one thing that I can hope is that we get a rain, a flood, just like in L.A. <laughs> of news this week. It's trade deadline week um, and we are going to go over. I think we went about this exercise a little bit differently, but I think that'll make it even more fun. Five trade candidates, uh, like the five best trade candidates that could maybe help a team win a playoff game. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, we did go about this differently. Um, so minor five guys, I think legitimately could be traded. I think some of them actually will get traded. Uh, number one, I guess this is like the low hanging fruit of the trade market, but it's Bojan Bogdanovich. Um, of the Detroit Pistons. He's averaging 20 points, 3.4 rebounds, 2.5 assists. He's shooting 42.5% from three. Um, he's on a $20 million contract and a partially guaranteed $19 million contract for next year. So good tradable salary, uh, pretty solid play finisher, not a guy we're going to want to play make for a lot of high-end contenders, but you know, a wing with size who can shoot, maybe not the greatest defender at his advanced age, but an offensive piece a lot of contenders could use. It seems like Detroit is really trying not to be the worst team of all time, so they're kind of like reluctant to trade him. But it feels like the tea leaves about trading him have been circulating for so long that he's going to get moved, I feel like. Yeah, there's some John Collins-itis of this situation. But it's um, like the reverse, where instead of like them trying to trade Collins and everyone being like, ah, we don't want him, it's like everyone's like, can you please trade Bojan? And they're like, but what if we don't? He is literally the only person that can shoot <laughs> on our, our entire roster. We, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it makes me question. I, I get the Pistons not wanting to trade off their good players because at the end of the day, their good players were only good enough for what? Five wins over the course of like three quarters of the season? Yeah, I mean, I just think if you're the Pistons though, like, I think we're going to talk about this later and kind of throughout like the way, you know, teams, because I think there's this kind of notion with a lot of contenders. It's like, does this trade guarantee you a title? No. All right, then don't do it. But it's like not every trade needs to guarantee you a title. Some trades just get you one step closer and there's nothing wrong with being one step closer. I think the problem with the Pistons is you're at rock bottom. Like it doesn't get worse than this. So you may as well get more assets. I don't think this is a situation where it's like, well, maybe we build on it next year with Bojan because Bojan, again, it's like, so if they keep him in July, he's getting his $19 million, but he's going to be 35 years old. And like, given his skill set, I still think he'll be a good three-point shooter. I still think he'll be a good like pull-up mid-range shooter attacking closeouts. But like, 
He's older. Your team is going to be really, really young. It almost just makes too much sense to trade him. For for what it's worth, I'm so with you. I'm more playing devil's advocate than anything. Um, yeah, get assets for this asset that you have. I will say his like his defense has fallen off quite yeah. a bit. He's never been a great defender, but now we're at the point where like we all know the Pistons don't have the best bench pieces. But when he's coming off the court, the Pistons are almost eight points better on defense with him off the court. So not ideal for a, a playoff rotation, but like you cannot you cannot discount that kind of shooting. Um, did you have any any like ideas for landing spots? He does have kind of a weird contract. Yeah, in that it's it's kind of big but not huge. I mean, I feel like. Weirdly, a team that already has a ton of players of his archetype, but I feel like he could help just because he's a lot bigger than all those guys is is Dallas. Oh, just yeah. just because it's like, yeah, you've got your Hardaways, your Greens, your Grant Williams, but Bojan's a little bit bigger. He's got a little bit more of like a driving and yeah, mid range attacking attack game. Close up, he's kind of like out. a third guy who can kind of do something with the ball. And I think we'll see if Dallas kind of democratizes their offense more because it's so heliocentric with Doncic and Irving. But like. I think that's one team. I mean, if the Lakers could somehow get him, he would definitely help the Lakers, but yeah. I don't see the it's pathway a there. Tough con- I guess like D'Lo, if you wanted to trade that first round pick, but if I'm the Lakers, I would probably want to trade that first round pick for something more like a DeJounte Murray or something a little bit more. Yeah, long-term. I think I saw maybe the Rockets might be interested in him too, just more getting vets in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're the Pistons, would you be interested in selling some of your own future assets to maybe make a Jalen Green play? Because I feel like in Houston, there's been this weird, like, obviously Jalen Green is so young, he's only going to get better and better. But it seems like the team is kind of gearing around, like, not being Jalen Green's team. But, like, again, you don't really want to give up on a guy. Like, how do you feel about if the Pistons were like, you know what? What if we're buyers? I think it it makes a lot more sense than a Jaden Ivey next to a guy like Cade. Because Jalen Green has like relatively okay size. The other day against the Lakers. Um, Yeah, and he has great, great moments. And I think he would be able to play off Cade really well. But um, I don't know. It just it feels crazy to me. A guy, I know he's been a disappointment. But to give up on him on his rookie contract, and there's been a lot of smoke about it. Like, you're not just making this up. I guess my question is, do you view it as giving up as much as it's, we kind of didn't realize Sengun was going to be this guy, and putting veterans around Sengun's been pretty good. So it's not necessarily giving up, it's just changing directions. Yeah, I I see what you're saying. for if I'm trading him and the crown jewel of the that trade. trade is Boyang Bogdanovich. No, but I'm saying the Pistons have to give up picks yeah, yeah, too. Yeah. You don't just get Jalen Green for for fun. It, well, <laughs> I will say player. if I could get back a Jaden Ivey, that would be a trade. I, I think the upside is significantly lower on a guy like Jaden Ivey than a guy like Jay, oh, for Jalen sure. Green. But I could go to sleep at night as a Rockets fan. And I think there's a little less positional overlap with a guy like uh, Jaden Ivey because you don't really have, obviously, Shangun's kind of your point guard, but you don't really have a that like star point guard prospect. Yeah, in, like in Houston. a bit older. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so who's your first player? So my first player was Bogdan Bogdanovich. Oh, the other one. Um, I've 
I've always loved Bogdan's game. He's like a Serbian national team legend, has been in so many huge games over the course of his long career in, in Euro League. He was pretty good for the Hawks in their run to these not really huge games in the NBA, but huge games around the world and whatnot. Patrick, can I give you an embarrassing omission before we go deeper into Bogdan? Yes, absolutely. When I used to do a lot of like rebuilding teams on 2K videos for my YouTube channel, I thought Bojan and Bogdan were brothers and I would commonly unite them and be like, I've united the Bogdanovich brothers. And like, I guess a lot of other people didn't know they were not brothers too. <laughs> so, I, I don't think. It took a while before people commented like, bro, they're not related. <laughs> it's not the craziest thing. Okay, it would be one thing if like you just like thought like every guy with the last name Williams was related. <laughs> but like there's only two guys in the NBA named Bogdanovich. Yeah. Um, but he's having okay. Uh, his points per possession is pretty, pretty good. Um, he's not starting for the Hawks and he's still averaging 17 points per game shooting a little bit under his career average from three only shooting 37 percent but he's shooting over eight almost eight and a half attempts per game which 37 percent on eight and a half and he's only playing 28 minutes a game so he's really getting them up and the really interesting thing about this season for Bogdan Bogdanovich is he's not starting he's more of a two guard for the hawks and he's coming in when dejounte murray is coming out who dejounte murray a guy hypothetically that has a lot better defensive tools um bog bogdan's defensive on off is awesome it's by far the best of his career in the 89th percentile for point guards of course that's a little loud yeah is that a is that a lot of murray's playing a lot more minutes with trey yeah, 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 probably partially that. But Bogdan shares the court with Trey and um, other, like, Hawks bench pieces, <laughs> which are not amazing. So, I, saying less, I, I think he's a, he's a really good target. And if maybe the Hawks don't want to go all pot committed on trading off this all-star that they committed so much... Um, assets into maybe they turn to trading Bogdan Bogdanovich what is his contract he so he's on a long-term deal he makes 18 million dollars a year and he's got three more years after this one my first target for them that I, I really like would be the magic looking towards him and it would be a really simple package Gary Harris Chumo Kiki two expiring contracts and then they have a 2025 Denver first round pick Obviously, more of a second round pick than a first, but I think he's exactly what the Magic need. A guy that can bomb from three, a guy that's not going to be a huge liability on defense. Um, and then my other one, it's we've talked about this package before. It's just Evan Fournier. He makes almost exactly the exact um, the same amount of money as Bogdan. And so Bogdan's just going to the Knicks. And then maybe I was thinking that 2024 Dallas first rounder, it's kind of middling. It's not, you're probably not going to die if you lose that one. Um, wh what do you think about Bogdan? Yeah. I mean, I, again, it's any, any wing you can shoot competently, you can run off screens, I think is good for like most contending teams. I feel like 
from what I've been reading about the Knicks is I guess they're like kind of holding out for like a really solid, really, really strong player, probably a tier above a Bogdan to make a trade for at this point. Um, but yeah, I mean, it seems like the Bogdanoviches could be on the move. I mean, the Hawks, uh, we could do a whole like we've already done. I feel like every time we talk about the Hawks, we kind of fall into like a 15 minute discussion about the Hawks. Like, what are they going to do? And it's like, I don't know. I feel like if the Hawks kind of just stand pat this trade deadline, it's a little like, OK, do we need to like get a new GM in there? Like they have a new GM. Do we need to get another new GM in yeah. there? Like what is I don't know. I feel like the Hawks. Yeah, are, well, like almost might be the most directionless franchise in the league right now. They have or I, hey, 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 the Chicago Bulls are still a team in the NBA. Um, but um, yeah, what, what was I going to say? The Hawks. Oh, and they are having the worst time winning streak ever right now. They just beat the Lakers, I think. Early last week, they beat the Suns, they beat the Warriors. Now they can kind of convince themselves that they're competitive. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely tough. Um, all right, my next player was Kelly Olenek. He's 32 years old. He's only averaging eight points, five rebounds, four assists. Um, but he's shooting 43% from three. Now, obviously, averaging eight points, he's not getting a ton of volume on his three-pointers. But Olenek's proven through his career he's a good shooter. He's making $12 million this year, and then he's an unrestricted free agent. So this is a you know one-year rental for a contending team. So I don't think teams are going to have to give up a lot for Olenek. The Jazz, you know, we did our whole, like, are the Jazz legit? The Jazz have, uh, you know, they just beat the Bucks, But I think we all know the Jazz are not really going to be a team we're talking about deep into April and May. Um, so, I mean, there's so many teams that could use a four that can shoot. I mean, I kind of like him going to Cleveland. Um <clears throat> I feel like that would help the Cavs. I think I saw the Celtics are kind of interested in Olenek. I don't quite get that just because you already have Horford. You already have Porzingis. I feel like if I'm the Celtics, I need like more versatility in my big skill set, not redundancy. Um, So I like him going to Cleveland. I kind of think any team that needs like a spacing four could help. I saw the Mavs. I hate to always. I feel like I bring up the Mavs like every time there's like a trade thing. But I saw they're looking for a quote tall four that can shoot and defend like defensively Olenek's getting up there I love Olenek for the Mavs yeah like he's another player I I guess fits on the Mavs and it's another one of these like kind of feels like the Mavs already have Olenek skill sets just not Olenek size and the fact that he can play five as Mm -hmm. well for the Mavs I think would fit really well yeah it you can't get more different than Derek Lively with Kelly Olenek is it bad, Patrick, that all – I'm actually going to pitch the Mavs as a team for all five players I picked, so fair warning, guys. I mean, I will take it as a, a personal insult, but I guess it's not bad for the overall podcast. Well, no. So, like, Kelly Linick, some of these guys I would like to see on the Suns, but I don't know how the no. Suns would get these passes. <laughs> it's not boys. happening. Yeah, Let yeah, me yeah, tell yeah. you that. Um, but, yeah, he's a shooting four. I don't think the Jazz are really going anywhere. I think Danny Ainge knows there's real, no real point to like fighting for the eighth seed or the seventh seed just to lose. Um, so I think Olenek could be on the move. Again, I like Cleveland for him. I'm not really sure. You're sh- done with the Tristan Thompson emergency yeah. center minutes? Um, I don't know like if this is a guy who could help like a Milwaukee, but th- clearly they're kind of in a free fall. But like if they could somehow land him... Um, yeah, him next to Giannis would make a lot of sense. It's kind of like a mini 
Brooke Lopez, I guess, of sorts. But you can play through him a little mm-hmm. bit more. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe even like a Thunder just as an assurance, not as like a big move, just as a like, hey, you know, Chet's pretty scrawny. And if we want to kind of keep our ability to shoot or maybe give our lineup some more versatility when Chet's not out there to kind of keep the spacing during the non-Chet minutes, like I think that's another interesting team. I don't think Olenek's a guy who's going to like slam dunk take a team to a contention but i think he's a guy that it's like oh we're gonna shore up these 10 minutes a game in the playoffs or it's gonna give us a tool in the playoffs depending on the matchup that we now have in our chest absolutely yeah styles make fights i i love that thunder fit as well i think it's pretty evident that the thunder are maybe one big guy short just Mm -hmm. To throw at a Timberwolves, to throw at a Lakers if you're going to go against them in the first round. So I think you're right on on track there. Um, I don't, I don't got anything else on. Yeah, who's your next player? I got another white guy, and I've got Alex Caruso. I see. I've just heard too much of the Bulls will not trade him. Yes, I, I yeah, I've heard that too, but I think that's dumb. Yeah, I mean, if you're I think, the Bulls, <laughs> I think it's dumb as well. <laughs> um, yeah, Alex Caruso has one more year left on his deal at nine million. I am always a proponent for teams to capitalize on the like trading your guy at the de- deadline so you can sell not just one playoff run but two playoff runs. And I think you could get an absurd <laughs> amount of like assets. For a guy like Alex Caruso. Yeah, the one change in Caruso's game from his Laker days is when he was on the Lakers, you know, he was a really, really good defender, really good high-energy guy. It seemed like he hit timely threes, but you take a step back and you're like, oh, he's shooting like 34% from three. He's actually become a much better three-point shooter now, which I think is kind of jacked up his value. And I wonder if that's why there's the hesitancy to trade him because it's almost like how much do you give for an Alex Caruso who's arguably become the best role player in the entire league and you just don't see it because he's stuck on this mediocre Chicago team? Yeah, dude. 40% from three this year on four, almost four and a half attempts per game, which is the highest ever attempt rate and the highest um, percentage that he's... I mean, I guess he shot 48% in his second year, but he was barely playing at all. He played 25 games. But yeah... I mean, he's he's really started to round out who he is as a player. And I truly think Alex Caruso is probably the best on-ball guard defender in the league right now. Like, Suns played him, uh, played the Bulls, I think, a week and a half ago. And, like, he is just up in everybody's business. I This is a guy that I think easily could win you a playoff game just by getting in the opposing star guard's head. So, um, but it's going to take a lot to to get him. And I, I think it will also take a little bit. You, you need some kind of um, prospect. So my my first trade that, that I came up with would be trading Alex Caruso to the Pacers. I think he can still keep up with that pace that the Pacers are really known for at this point. Um, and it would be Caruso for Obi Toppin, Ben Shepard, a 2028 first round pick from the Pacers, and then a, a pick swap on one of their other years. I think they have like a 26 or a, a 30. So you're getting a lot of draft, draft assets as well as a little bite at a Obi Toppin apple. Maybe it works in Chicago. Um, what do you think about that one? And then I'll give you my one that I like more. I like it for the Pacers. 
I mean, yeah, I'm just, I've just, it's kind of hard to do hypothetical Caruso trades when all the noise has been, they're not going to trade him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. That's what makes it tough. My, the other one that I love is Caruso to the Thunder. Like, I think it would just be such hell to have to deal with Lou Dort and Alex Caruso along with Shea and his length and everything he brings. So it would be Vasily Mishich, Aaron Wiggins, and a unprotected LA Clippers first round pick for 2024. And then um, a Thunder unprotected pick somewhere down the line. You get a lot of draft assets. Maybe they could even they could throw in a lot more. You could throw in eight first round or second round picks. I saw the Thunder have twenty tradable second round picks. Right I know now. that's crazy. I think that's what's I think that's what's fun about these Thunder trades, kind of like my Olenek one, where it's like you don't necessarily need a Caruso when you have like a Lou Dort and you have um oh my god I'm forgetting his name that rookie guard they're having coming yeah Casein Wallace Casein Wallace, but it's another one of those things where it's like. All right. Well, now Lou Dort just got subbed out and Kaysen's coming on. Oh, Caruso's also coming on. Oh, wow. Now we're just destroying the other team's bench guards and totally mucking up the flow of the other team's bench offense. And I think like the Thunder can kind of really like double down on these strengths. Um, Absolutely. And I, the time is now. Go for it, Sam Presti. The East is falling apart. Yeah. The West, I'm sure, will fall apart right. in the next month. Um, yeah, that's my that's my number four guy. All right, my number three guy that I think could get traded, and it's kind of funny because when you actually Google like NBA rumor mill, it's almost this guy's entire team outside of uh, a Mr. Pool. But Daniel Gafford, uh, he's a you know high energy center, averaging ten point eight, seven point nine rebounds, one one and a half assists. Um, so he's not going to blow you away, but he's six ten. He's got good athleticism. He's got a good motor. He's making twelve million this year, thirteen million next year, and fourteen million the year after that. So he's on a really good contract. Um, which is why part of me feels like the Wizards won't trade him because, like, you know, year three of that deal, last year of his deal, maybe they're going to try to extend him. But it's a guy that it's like, you know, you're good. We don't need to trade you just because we're bad and you're good and good teams want you. But, you know, again, I, this is why I said the Mavs are going to be a team I pitch for all five players. Like, they desperately need a real big in the non-lively minutes because Powell is not getting it done. Kleber has really declined. Um and I feel like there's a lot of teams in the NBA today that I feel like just need a good dive big man. Yeah. Um, the Celtics are a team we talked about. Like, I don't really get the positional redundancy with a Linux, but like a Gafford is kind of a player they don't really have at the moment. I like that for them. Um, I saw the Lakers are interested, which I think is a little weird. I just feel like there's other bigger issues than like that position. Um, but yeah, I feel like Gafford could go to a lot of different teams and really help with like the big man rotation, even like a, even like my heat, because I feel like when Bam's coming off the court, they're kind of, it's like two-toned. It's like you either have the Bam minutes or you have the love minutes. And I think it would help having a Gafford so that it's like if the Bam style is working in a game, you don't have to go away from it when he's not playing. In the past, when they've had like a true third center as their third big, do they ever play, I, I just haven't watched enough heat over the years to know, do they ever play Bam with another center? No, they Bam's you pretty much always the five okay. with a more spacing four, and I they haven't done a ton, a ton of Bam and Love together, which I think is something they could tap into yeah, that we totally. saw a little bit more in the playoffs last year. But yeah, and if they were to go to Bam Love lineups more than Gafford, you need a you need another guy. Yeah, because Thomas absolutely. Bryant's not necessarily going to get it done there. No, 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 no. I love the Celtics 
fit for that. Um, as much as Namias Keda has been good for them, I think they need a real third big. And at the end of the day, Celtics fans, you still have Al Horford and Chris Tapsporzingis. Al Horford is one million years old, and Chris Tapsporzingis is an injury waiting to happen. Yeah. Um, okay, my third guy, and I'm going to say this again. We did this very differently. These are all guys that I just feel like could be traded. I think there's could being the operative word, not will or will probably. Um, but my third guy is Jeremy Grant. This is a guy that we've talked about a lot off pod that just like gives lose, bad vibes, loser vibes. Just not as much as Aiden, though. Not as much as. Did you as, see Aiton's oh falling God. for that Jokic pump fake? Yes. Max, did you see that? It's like slow motion. <laughs> like at, at, it was like if a statue pump faked you. It's almost like an ankle breaker for the head. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't. It's yeah. like a head breaker. I don't. A, a neck. A neck shatterer. I don't know what you would call that. I almost shared it on my Instagram story and just thought like this is this is outright bullying if I if I go this far. But yeah, no. No, I don't think they're going to be able to trade DeAndre Ayton this go-around. Um, but Jeremy Grant is, he just signed an extension. He's on a long-term deal uh, that ends with a player option in 2027 for $36.4 million, which is quite rich. But who knows what the NBA looks like at, at that time? Maybe the new media rights deal just acts, absolutely explodes everything. But he's been really great. Every like metric, every stat would say that he has been really, really great this year, averaging 20 points per game, um, shooting 40% from three. Obviously, he still has his like huge six, seven size, and we've seen him thrive, at least for the Nuggets, in a winning scenario, even though he is time and time again taking himself out of winning scenarios. Um, but the trades, the, the two trades that I came up with for Jeremy Grant, the first one was to the Kings and it would be for Harrison Barnes and Kevin Herter, um, two guys on long-term contracts that I think the trailblazers could flip further on. And then a unprotected 2026 Kings first round pick and some seconds, little stuff in there. Um, I just love his fit, his potential fit next to Sabonis, next to Keegan Murray. You've got three pretty good-sized guys that offer a little bit of rim protection, but I think the um, collection would sum out greater than the than the parts there. Um, what do you think about like just the Kings doing an all-in trade? Maybe not necessarily for this, but how do you think the Kings should be going into the deadline right now? Yeah, it's kind of tough because I know like Kings fans wanted to upgrade Barnes in the offseason, and Herder has been kind of disappointing for them this year. I, I guess my worry with Grant, just because since he left Denver, he signed that contract with Detroit, and now he's with the Trailblazers, and... The thing about Grant, a lot of his shot diet is like little post turnarounds, little like getting into a mid-range bag. And I'm just a little worried about like it's been like four years now of him kind of playing that way. And I'm a little worried about how seamlessly he fits back into a good team, especially one that doesn't have a passing god like Jokic. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, Sabonis is a better passer as a big than most, but... Yeah, I don't know. I, I would just be a little scared of Grant just seeing what his shot diet looks like if I was a contender. But yeah, I do think the Kings need to kind of make some sort of um, 
Yeah, I mean, they've got themselves in a position where if they can win at this rate for the rest of the season, they've got their playoff spot. They don't have to deal with the plan. I think now is really a time for them as a franchise. Like, you're not going to be, like we were talking about earlier, you're not going to be an NBA Finals contender. No. That's okay. Like, you're the Kings. Go make the playoffs. But try to make the second round. Yeah, try to make the second yeah. round. And I think a trade like this would probably, would definitely get them in the conversation for that. Yeah. Um. The, and then my other trade candidate for Jeremy Grant is also in the Pacific Northwest, the Golden State Warriors. Um. I mean, I think his fit next to Draymond would be really nice. You could play more Draymond at the five minutes with a guy like Jeremy Grant there. Um, it would be Jeremy Grant for Chris Paul. Uh, I love the idea of Chris Paul going to Portland and mentoring Scoot a little bit. And I think they they could might also be interested in signing Chris Paul to a, another contract if that's what Chris Paul wants. And it would be for two protected first-round picks um, in 26 and 28. Um, I'm not sure exactly how aggressive the protections would be there. Um, yeah, Warriors trade deadline. What are you thinking? Where? What? I'm just out on the Warriors. You're just. <laughs> I, not, what do you mean you're out on the Warriors? They're not making the plan. Damn. No matter okay. like no matter what happens between now and that Thursday, they're not making the plan. You know what? If we're doing our playoff cross offs, I'm ready to cross them off. Damn. Ooh, Max, hit, hit the the bells, hit the sirens. Hot take, James is they're back like, they're, from Miami. Not, they're like the twelfth seed right now. No, I'm with you. I'm, <laughs> I, well, they're not good. I, I, hey, but they're they're only like two and a half games back of the tenth seed. They just are not good. I, I, here's the thing with the Warriors. Like I've seen a lot of like they want to trade Wiggins. Who wants to trade for Andrew Wiggins? Like, that's the only thing I never get about these teams with the Warriors is I feel like a lot of the times it's like, it seems like good teams seem to like weasel out trades that just help them way too much. Like the Lakers last year, like hit a, hit a, just hit a gold mine rush on the league last year. Absolutely. But oh, like, shout out to Jared Vanderbilt. That's a fucking tough. Yeah, that sucks for break. him and the Lakers. But like, I don't know. It just seems like the narrative for the NBA is always like, well, you know, contenders will finesse the bad teams into giving them good players for bad players and like i guess i can't even say that's a foolish thought process because it happens over and over and over again but like dude you you get me this has been my struggle my entire I just, life i just i just sports. don't think the the warriors are gonna pull the finesse off is this a jidel lock this is a jidel lock okay it's straight to camera can you please say the warriors <laughs> the will warriors not. will not make the play-in and that's a Jidel lock from foul trouble. Um, but yeah, Jeremy Grant on the Warriors. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little dubious if Jeremy's going to keep up with the Steve Kerr offense, too. I always do worry about any trade for the Warriors because there's like a 75% chance that no matter how good the guy is, they just can't do it. They just can't fit in on the Warriors. Yeah, and I think especially with a guy like Grant, who's kind of been like he's made – choices to go to worse teams to have a bigger role and when you see him in a bigger role he does like to take the superstar shots mm -hmm. and when you go to the warriors it's going to be like hey man no more like 12 foot turnarounds yeah no more pick and roll like and you're i just running I think, around baby i think that's one reason the warriors have been hesitant in the past to make midseason trades is because it's it's a lot more difficult to integrate guys into like because most nba teams are playing some form of like 
pick and roll heavy offense or you're playing off a heliocentric player and you go to the Warriors and it's like now you're going to run and set a hundred screens every half. Yeah. And it's just very, very different. And like the other NBA teams I still think need to get. I know I just said the Warriors won't make the plan, but I think the NBA as a whole needs to get more Warriors-y and get setting more screens. There's just a lot of teams that feel like they could benefit from off-ball movement that currently aren't. Um, Absolutely. So, so I'm I'm so interested on this Warriors thing now. So Warriors are a lock to not make the play-in. Yeah. With that mindset, what do you think the Warriors should be doing at the deadline? Just rolling over everything, seeing how stuff goes in the offseason, letting Clay and CP3 go, or should they be actively looking to try and see if they could offload stuff like they should try to offload Clay. They okay. should try to offload Draymond, and they should try to offload Wiggins. I mean, yeah. they're not good. Draymond, you think that they should try to offload Draymond? Yeah. On the long-term deal that they have, Mont, with Steph still in the fold? Dude, Draymond is not that good anymore. Okay. I mean, he's not as good, for sure. I'm, um, I'm tired of pretending these guys are still somewhat good. They're the 12th seed, and Steph Curry is still freaking amazing. It's funny that we're They're like, the 12th seed despite Steph Curry being freaking amazing. Yeah. Are we offloading Draymond to like play with Dwight Howard in Taiwan? Or is no, he's, no, he's not like he's that going yet. back home to Detroit. <laughs> I, I'm I don't know. I'm I'm a little like I don't know. And we talked about this earlier. Like Steve Kerr seems like he's almost like not built to coach an yeah, NBA just, team anymore. He's too he's got the old man disease. He's like complaining about DJs on other teams. Like, I don't know, man. Is the music that loud in Phoenix? Oh, yeah. We crank it up. We crank it up. <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm maybe I'm, I'm being a little too harsh on the Warriors, given that they won the title two years ago. But, like, I don't know, man. It's not like there's, like, anything you can point to and be like, see, that's why they suck. No. I mean, hey, if they didn't win the title a couple of years ago, I would be probably riding the, like, the Warriors need to trade Steph at the deadline this year so that they can capitalize on this asset. But... I don't know. It's just like when dynasties die, it's so hard to, to let like, go. But they never die. Them. They never die beautifully, right? No. Like Tom no. Brady's last pass as a Patriot was an interception. Yeah. Not everybody gets to be Jerome Bettis. Dude, like Bill Belichick's last game, they lost to the Jets. That is true. That is so <laughs> These funny. things never end. Coach K's last game, he lost to North Carolina in the tournament. Like, even the Spurs, the beautiful Spurs, like, that dynasty ended with Tony Parker saying Kawhi Leonard's injury wasn't that bad. Like, that's pretty messed up. It, like, in all, you know what I mean? That's your yeah. best your best player, your former captain of the team, basically calling out the current best player. Like, that's a really weird way for a, a dynasty to end. Yeah, I guess it's just, I don't know. I wasn't ready for the dynasty to end by Bob Myers leaving. Well, I mean, Bob Myers went on ESPN. They're like, what would you do with Clay? And he, he did the nervous laugh and said, ha ha, that's why I stepped down. Because, yeah, it's really hard because anybody who wants to see the team keep succeeding, like trading Clay this past summer was the obvious move. Mm -hmm. Obvious yeah, move. No, and they 100%. didn't do it because Clay's done so much for the team. So if the Warriors want to ride it out, you can. But the downside of riding it out is now you might have two seasons of like, ugh. Yeah. Like, I don't know death. if I want to remember Clay for the last two seasons. So, how do we get Steph back home in, in Charlotte? Charlotte. 
Hey, we don't. Uh, okay, who's your next? Who's your next guy? All right. Uh, I hate to be broken record because I think I've pitched trading this guy three different times this season, but Kyle Kuzma. So I don't want to spend too much That's time on him. That's my next guy. Yeah. I mean, he's 28. He's averaging 21.8, 6.5 rebounds, 4.2 assists. He's getting paid $25 million this year, $23 million next year, $21 million the following year, and $19 million the last year. So if you trade for him, you have him on a declining contract. Um, these are probably going to be the next three, four, like three years, probably going to be the best three years of Kyle's career in terms of his play. Um, he can play off the ball. He can play with the ball. Um, I just think Kuzma is a, a pretty good high-level player at this point on a really bad team. The question for a contender who's maybe a little squeamish for trading for him is how is his off-ball shooting going to be? Because he's shooting in the mid-30s this year from three, but this is where the noise is really interesting. So the NBA, you know, on their stat tracking website, defines open as four to six feet of space between the defender and wide open as over six feet of space. So on his open shots, he's shooting 30% from three. On his wide open shots, he's shooting 40%. So I don't know how much noise that is. I, can I share with you something that disturbed me about Kyle Kuzma when I was looking into it? Yeah. Did you look at any of his on-off data? No. What does it look like now? It's terrible. The The Wizards are worse on offense and defense when Kyle Kuzma is on the court. How much of that is Jordan Poole noise, though? Because I remember I did that exercise in the beginning of the year, and they were actually positive on the Kuzma on Poole off minutes. Like, Poole has been yeah, a maybe. huge detriment to their team. And they play a lot of minutes together. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. But any point, like, it might be a little noisy with Poole, but, like, Kuzma is their main player when he's on the court. Like, yeah. really, they sink or swim with Kuzma. So I, I don't want to, like... And Poole, like, he's he's obviously not great on defense, but he's also not inserting himself in the offense in the way that I think we all thought he was going to. So, I mean, that is a little disturbing, but we have a much larger sample size that would indicate yeah. Kyle Kuzma can contribute to a winning team. So where, where were you thinking? I have a... Absolutely batshit insane trade, but I'll wait for the end of our uh, Kyle Kuzma. Honestly, any contender, like any contender, I think benefits from trading from a guy who has size, who can shoot, who can attack closeouts, who's proven he can play defense at a high enough level on a tight a team giving him big minutes. Like, I think it's a, especially with that contract too going down every year. I just think that's a slam dunk trade. So, okay, can I tee that, you up then? Yeah. Um, so of course I thought about the 76ers. I I'm assuming that you thought about them. It would be a really easy Batum Covington. And then they have a couple different firsts that they could trade. I think probably just one, um, in a deal like that, but we haven't talked about the Joel Embiid situation so far today. Yeah. Um, we got news over the weekend that Joel Embiid is going to have surgery on his, Torn, partially torn meniscus and there's no timetable set out just yet of how long it will take him to come back. This is going to be his second meniscus surgery, I believe on the same knee. So that will definitely complicate things, but there's optimism that he could come back for the playoffs. If you are Daryl Morey right now, where is your head going into the trade deadline? My head, if I'm Morey is next year is going to have to be the year. So you so it's it just, can't be a guy that's on a one year deal. I I just feel like the Sixers. I would be really hesitant to go all in and just bank on Embiid coming right back to MVP form. 
I'd be, I, I don't know. That just seems a little. Absolutely. Especially Absolutely. it's just, yeah, it's, I mean, we really need to see what Embiid's timetable is. And at least my personal experience with MCLs, like, seems like it lasts a lot longer. I've noticed this in pro sports too. It's like, it's kind of like hamstring injuries. They're like, oh, it's a hamstring. It'll be out a week. And it's like, no, he still doesn't look right three months later. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I, if I'm the Sixers, I'm almost like in a holding pattern at this point. Cause I'm just like, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I just don't see it. Just would you trade any first round picks in a deal? I'll, only if I'm getting a player that's going to be long-term. Cause m- my thought process almost goes to, you're going to open up more first round picks. If you wait till the trade dead or if you wait till the draft, you don't know if you're getting him back. Maybe the move is to just wait until the draft and then you can get a much better player than yeah. a Kuzma, a Jeremy Grant. Like, that's probably the top tier guy you could get. I feel like a player I saw, like, I know the Pistons are interested in trading for him is like Tobias Harris. But if I'm the Sixers, man, like, and I can just bring Tobias back on like a better contract than the one we've had him on, like, I want to do that. Like, Tobias is absolutely so much better in the nurse system than he did in the Doc Rivers like system. Um, yeah, I just feel like the Sixers got screwed with the Embiid injury. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The basketball gods smited them. Yeah, no, it, it's so unfortunate. Like they were, but then again, like if their internal doctors are saying like, "Hey, Embiid's going to be out two months," that brings you to April, and the ramp up period, he should be fully good to go by the second round. Like, if you're Philly, and you don't fall too far, see that's the problem with Philly though, is because. If this is a world where Philly's like, hey, we're playing the Nets in the first round again, it's like, okay, Joel Embiid can be at 50% and we can crush the Nets. The problem is they have been so bad without Embiid playing this year that they're going to drop to like six, seven, Much more likely to eight, be going up against and then, a Milwaukee, mm-hmm, a Boston. A New York. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's where it gets really tough because it's like, do I want Joel Embiid to play the last two regular season games and all of a sudden he has a six game series versus the New York Knicks. Like they're I don't know if beat I beat the hell out of him. Yeah. And it, it's tough too, because it's like, if you're the Sixers, you're like, Oh my God, like the Knicks are awesome. But talk about a team that we think matches matches up great with them. Like we'll take on the Knicks with Embiid, but if Embiid's not Embiid, then it's, Oh yeah. I mean, if they don't have Embiid in a Knicks series, like sweep in my opinion. Yeah, no, the Knicks would sweep them. Yeah. Um, so I think the Sixers are just in such a tough, it's like if this Embiid injury happened at the beginning of the season, but then you wouldn't even know he would have been this level of MVP. It's tough. It, it's just. Yeah. Can we move on to your next player then? Oh, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I have to share. I have to share this trade. Okay. So I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about the Wizards. I'm thinking about Kyle Kuzma. And I'm thinking they, they ideally they want to get off bad money. Yeah. Right. And so that, I think, should be their journey at this trade deadline. The Wizards. The Wizards. Oh, interesting. I'm I'm opposite. You don't think they should get off bad money? No, I think they should take in bad money. It, okay. Okay. So you're going to like this trade. Um, so I was thinking, what teams don't have their draft picks right uh-huh. now? What teams have to put their pedal to the metal? And I landed on the Brooklyn Nets. Okay. So, and I have constructed a trade. So this trade will help the Wizards get off bad money quicker. They'll also get a small asset and get rid of some problems. So the trade is Jordan Poole, Kyle Kuzma, and Johnny Davis for Ben Simmons, 
Spencer Dinwiddie, and a protected Phoenix Suns 2025 first-round pick. Oh, the Brooklyn Nets hung out the phone so fast. Why? Because Jordan Poole. But you get Kyle Kuzma, and you become but, but a better the Nets, team. But the Nets don't need Kuzma. They have Bridges. They have Johnson. They have DFS. Kuzma is way better than Cam Johnson. But, but, he's way, I think he's a better player than DFS, and he does different stuff than them. I think you're really underrating how terrible Jordan Poole has been this year. I I realize that he's been, but has he been worse than Ben Simmons? Yes. Definitively, yes. Ben Simmons has looked freaking amazing the last two games he's played. I I would be okay, the last two games that Ben Simmons. (laughs) Well, he's been injured. He hasn't played those other than that. I don't know. I, I I would love a bite at the apple at couple guys we've seen work. We've seen them work. Maybe it's Washington. I dude, if I'm the Nets, maybe it's Washington, bro. I think it's I, Washington. Right? Right? <laughs> no, see, I'm I'm going opposite of you. Like, if I'm the Wizards, I'm trying to do what the Nets did pre-Durant, where it's like, give me your worst contracts, but also give me some picks. Yeah, you get your worst contract, the worst contract. I know, but the first. Nets don't want Jordan Poole's contract. It's worse than Ben's. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, it is, it is. But you also you get the sweetener of Kyle Kuzma. That maybe are, we're just in different places on Kyle Kuzma. And I, I don't know. How do you feel about the Nets going in to win? I think that makes them worse. You think this makes them worse? If Kyle yeah, Kuzma, I think that definitively makes them a worse. If Jordan team. Poole is that bad, they don't even have to play him. I know, but the I, I guess my problem with that trade is like. The the way this Nets team is good is Ben gets healthy, and like that version is better than. Oh, dude, you believe in Ben Simmons way too much. I I know, but like you get rid of Dinwiddie, you get rid of Simmons. Who's even handling the ball on this team? <laughs> they're, they're, they're the <laughs> offense. You just have a bunch of wings who can shoot and kind of attack closeouts, but you have no one generating closeout opportunities. I feel like that that would make them a much worse team. I feel like. Uh, I mean, yeah, maybe. I mean, at the end of the like, day, your ceiling's Kuzma. like your ceiling is probably an eight, no matter where you go. Maybe it's a, another move. You get your point guard. Maybe you can grab a freaking Tyus Jones out of that deal as well uh, as sweetener for uh, Jordan Poole. I, I think you're really underestimating the like the moment someone hears Jordan, they just hang up. They don't even let the word pool get out. They're just like... So you think there's no chance Jordan Poole could be a productive player in the NBA? No. Honestly, really? watching the Wizards this year, no. He's, he's been a disaster. I know, I know he's been a disaster. And he's been I really, really bad. He, he played well in the finals when they won. And I think he's... You know what? He's the guard version of DeAndre Ayton. <laughs> he got Damn. paid and he's just been like lazy, not caring... Not winning mentality. Like, he's been bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he wasn't that bad last year. He was, he had moments where he was good last year um, on the Warriors. And I think maybe getting him out of Washington. But you know what? This trade is never, ever, ever, ever going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Who's your number one guy? Well, he's not my number one guy, but Andre Drummond. Andre uh, Drummond, yeah. He's on the last year of his deal. He's getting paid $3.3 million, so super easy to trade. He's averaging 12.8 points, 12.4 rebounds, uh, 1.3 assists. 
Now, here's the funny thing about Drummond is when he was at the very end of his Pistons tenure, they actually started playing him as like a hub center a lot more where he was kind of dishing it out from the free throw line. And his assist totals actually got up to like four or five that final year at the Pistons. And I think what's fun about Drummond is you can trade for a guy and just have him be a generic backup center who has good size and good rebounding. So, I mean, at $3.3 million, almost any team can make a move for him. So he's great for all these teams like a Dallas. One of my Oklahoma. dream Suns, guys. One yeah, of my a Suns, Suns would be great. Uh, oh, my God. He'd be amazing for the Suns. He's Some like Nurkic a insurance. poor man's Nurkic. He, like, um, they basically do the same thing. And again... You don't have to use his passing hub game that we've seen he's capable of, but a team like Phoenix probably could unlock that back in him. Um, so, and I feel like for the Bulls, I mean, like you sign Drummond to a two-year, six million dollar deal, and you might get like two second-round picks for him. Like, seems yeah. like a seems like a really easy done done, done. yeah. Like somebody Cash trade for him, and if you're the Bulls, like he's going to be an unrestricted free agent this summer, and like he'll probably go sign with a contender anyway. So just go get your two second round picks. I feel like it'd be shocking if he doesn't get traded. Yeah, it's, it's so weird, guys like Andre Drummond to see how their value rises and falls over the course of his career because he goes from being this max contract guy in Detroit to like literally the worst asset in the entire NBA being bought out when he's like 26 years old. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm glad he's got a little bit more heat because I, I do think he can contribute. Like, you know, God doesn't make rebounders like Andre Drummond. <laughs> Let me tell you that. He is a one-of-one one rebounder. He just gigantic person overall. Um, I don't know. I don't have any more on Andre. Yeah, Drummond. just Drummond. I feel like it's an easy trade. We'll see it. Yeah, everyone's gonna be like, "That was smart." <laughs> Come to Phoenix, Andre. I'd love to see you there. Um, my last guy is Dejounte Murray. I mean, we've talked about Dejounte Murray so much over the last couple of weeks. Think he could get traded? I don't know. Uh, like we said, the Hawks are on that little winning I, streak. I saw a report that the Jazz and the Lakers were the only two teams to offer like a serious offer for him. And obviously, if the Lakers won't pony up Reeves, it seems like that won't happen. And I'm I'm curious what Utah's trade for him was. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know. I I guess probably built around Sexton. Sexton. Yeah. Um, Sexton, who's been pretty good this year, mm -hmm. despite Sexton flopping. and John Collins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Imagine that would be the funniest thing in the world if they traded John Collins back to the Hawks. But I, I wanted to challenge myself. I made a non I, I made a DeJounte Murray trade that I hadn't made yet. So this one um, I kind of like I think it makes more sense of this team's roster. DeJounte Murray going to the Pelicans. Um, I think he would be a pretty good backcourt mate with CJ McCollum makes a very formidable starting five. The trade would be, I, I, I am always trying to get rid of Clint Capella for the Hawks. Um, so it'd be Clint Capella, DeJounte Murray and Bruno Fernando for the Jonas Valanciunas, Larry Nance Jr. And Herb Jones is like their sweetener. And then a like Milwaukee swap. And then maybe another swap. They've got a hell of a lot of picks, but um, I just love the idea of a DeJounte Murray, CJ McCollum, Zion, Brandon Ingram, and I guess Clint Capella starting five. And the Pelicans are very squarely in the mix. I'm, I'm pretty interested to see what they end up doing. I feel like they could be a consolidation team maybe in the oh, offseason. Yeah, I think the Pelicans are one of those really interesting teams because it's like 
every single person on their roster is good. Has in, value. In Positive some way, value. is good in some way. So anytime you trade one of them, you're like, well, because that's the thing with Valanchunas is like, you trade Valanchunas for Capella and it's like, well, Valanchunas is a good shooter. He's got good size. Um, yeah, I hated to trade Valanchunas. <laughs> the reason why I... I thought that they might entertain it is he is on the last year of his deal mm-hmm. and with how expensive the pelicans are going to be moving forward i don't know that they're going to be able to retain him in the in the off season I, I i can see if why they would make it a priority too but i don't i don't yeah. know no i mean that's that's a good point with the contract yeah it's a fun trade i feel like the pelicans are almost a weird team where it's like something has to get Shaken up because I feel like it's weird. Last season, you know, with Zion healthy, we were like, oh my God, this team is like one seed potential. And now it's like Zion, he's had, he had a great moment the other day against the Spurs, but it seems like we're not going to get that version of Zion again in his career. Yeah. At least with this roster, it it is a little, I, I want to see them have a good point guard. Yeah. Like CJ's not a point guard and CJ's been. For what it's worth and what I thought CJ was going to be at this point in his, in his career has exceeded my expectations. But, like, he's not the right guy for the role that they need. And I think if they found a guy like Murray that could really monopolize the ball a little bit more, set guys up, um, I think that would be really awesome for, for them. Um, I think they're a really interesting team to talk about the future of, but that's another like Hawks situation where I feel like we could do like two hours on it. But like real quickly, like me personally, I've never been a big Brandon Ingram person. I definitely don't see him as a one A guy on a title team. In fact, I think given his skill set, it's even weird to imagine him as a, as a two. Mm-hmm. But like if Zion is like this is you know his theoretical ceiling because of his body diminishing to the point where he's not quite you know he's eighty five percent of what he could have been like. Do you think you can win a title with him as the best player anymore? Like, what do you do? You're kind of with these two guys now that I'm not sure can be 1A guys, but the team is constructed around them being the 1A guys. And that's... It's funny that we're talking about this on the heels of, like, probably the most electrifying Zion... Game of the year. Game of the year. Um, I mean, the Zion that we've seen thus far in the season, absolutely not. You're completely right. That that cannot be a 1A guy guy on a title team. But I will say he is still at the top of the league in terms of like rim efficiency. Like he's not 99th percentile like he had been. Yeah. Um, But he's like in he's in the 90s in the low 80s kind of fluctuating or the high 80s kind of fluctuating there. Um, Yeah, I don't. It's all about the defense for me. I, I think depending on the guys around him his offense could be good enough to be a number one guy on a title team. Mm-hmm. But if he never gives us any of that Duke defense that we saw from Zion, the you know, he still is an explosive athlete, but the way he functionally used that at Duke was what made him, you know, the best prospect we've seen since uh, other than Wemby like since Anthony Davis yeah Yeah. since Anthony Davis and and it's just so hard to say if we're we're gonna get that 
Yeah. All right. Well, those were our five guys. I'm, I'm excited for the trade deadline. I, I feel like we're going to get some su- surprise trades. Some team maybe trades for a role player that we didn't expect, but I don't see any big stars getting moved. I think the Hawks are going to wait till the offseason because I think that's the powder keg team. Yeah, that's the vibe. That's the vibe. I'm with you, man. Should we get to best take, worst take? Let's get to best take, worst, worst take. We got a lot of best take, worst take to go over today. Where mm-hmm. do you want to start? I actually couldn't find a good take. You can find a good take. Um, I kind of struggled with a good take, and I ended up giving my best take of the week to the entire Atlanta Hawks fan base, who, um, when they were visited by the Lakers <laughs> last week, they, D'Angelo Russell was at the free throw line, and they all chanted, we don't want you, which, in my opinion, is just, th- they're really locked in. Those Hawks fans, they know the rumors. Like I just thought it was a good take, and what I you shouldn't want him. I'm sorry, you shouldn't want him. Yeah, he wouldn't be a good fit with that team. No, <laughs> no. Oh my God, he would be an off. Can you imagine the Delo, the the ice, the ice Delo back ice in his veins with Trey Young, ice cold. Oh, now it's now I'm reconsidering. I'm listening. Yeah, yeah now <laughs> just imagine on. the merchandise. Yeah, hold on, man. That could be kind of cold. Um, Literally. yeah. Yeah, it would be cold. It would be freezing. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't have a best take. I, I honestly, I, I scoured. There just weren't that many good ones. And, and, and honestly, with the Embiid injury, kind of a sad week. In yeah, the NBA. it's raining. Yeah. Um. But worst take. Holy cow. Yeah, take it away. Take um. It away, so friend. Patrick and I both saw this take from Gilbert Arenas. I forget the exact. Oh. Li- Do you have the exact quote, Patrick? Um. Talk a little bit more. I, I've so got it. I've got Gilbert it. Arenas said, "Jokic." Yeah, here it is. <laughs> Gilbert Arenas says, says Kevin Durant, Giannis, Nikola Jokic, and Luka Doncic are not superstars. In my position, a superstar is Steve Francis. Yeah, I feel like, like, I like, I don't even know where to begin, but like Kevin Durant is maybe the utmost definition of a superstar, not just on the court. And I know I've I've dunked on Durant quite a bit, but like Kevin Durant, like when he was with the Thunder. I think, like, you know, nowadays the kids love Curry. Like, Kevin Durant was always super popular with the kids. Like, the KD4 is, like, one of the most influential, like, popular basketball sneakers of all time. Like, Kevin Durant. They made a movie with him? Yeah, Thunderstruck. Like, Kevin Durant is, like, as close to... Like if, if if your tier of superstardom is, like, LeBron and MJ are their own tier, like, whatever's right under that, Kevin Durant is that. And I think Giannis is, like surely that if we're if we're kind of tanking like off the court and on the court and like Doncic, are we i think yeah, luca's yeah. like a top five selling jersey with the mavs having the ugliest jerseys in the nba like i don't know how much closer to superstardom you can get than some of these guys so i know neither one of us chose that take as our worst take of the week because we felt like it was too bad can we just right now put it in the final round for february because February is a short month anyways. Yeah. And just, All right, Max. Can we re- let's get this written down. So we're going to have two worst takes of the week this week. Um, I guess we need to re- – do we just ban like Gilbert Arenas and Skip Bayless going forward? Because it's – No. Some weeks we need the – we we need their consistency. Need the okay, yeah. I just <laughs> – Gilbert, man. It's, it's, it's tough because – I feel I'm like I'm being trolled. Lie, the, wor- the former players have the worst takes and it's – it's crazy. You played in the NBA. 
I feel like they're just not watching basketball. I, think I don't that's think the they're problem. watching basketball. I either. also think they have mics in front of them too much. Yeah. That they just, I don't know. They get bored. They they don't even know what to say. Yeah. I think uh, I think a lot of these guys too come from that era of like, not any publicity is good publicity, but it's like <laughs> they don't care what people think about them. So too much. If they know that something will generate views and clicks, they'll just say it, which is just like lame as fuck behavior. Yeah. I'm just going to say that. Yeah. See me? Me? I care what you think about me. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, I don't know, dude. Like it's Steve Francis. Brain. Yeah. And I'm not saying this to diminish Steve Francis, but Kevin Durant. <laughs> we'll just go like, what was Steve Francis's uh, heyday? Like 2001. 2002 if you went around the united states at that time and asked a random person if they knew who steve francis was they probably wouldn't and if nowadays if you go around and ask a random person if they know who kevin durant is i think you've got a lot better chance of them saying yeah that's a basketball player yeah the guy who's in the goat conversation <laughs> the guy no, apparently not. <laughs> well, but when you stack him up against Gilbert Arenas and Steve yeah. Francis, he's the actual goat. Yeah. Um, he, you know, he's probably just saying Steve Francis because Steve Francis's legacy and career is much similar, much more similar to Gilbert Arenas's than any of those other guys who are all better than Gilbert Arenas. To be fair to Gilbert, he said he also wasn't a superstar, which like... Oh, okay. Okay. I don't know. Gilbert, I kind of think you... Briefly, might have been. He kind of was. A- <laughs> Not- Agent Zero was a <laughs> you were freaking pretty, you vibe. You were pretty good back in the day. You played in that era of like star power forwards and star two guards, and not a lot of stars anywhere else on the. Those court. Gold Wizards jerseys, yeah, just I don't slapped. Know. Um, all right, so both of us had this written down. Kendrick Perkins said the Heat should trade Jimmy Butler. Um, as a friendly reminder, Kendrick, we've won the Eastern Conference two of the last four years. I've been to the ECF three of the last four. Like the other, as much as a joke it is to say, given the Heat's inconsistent regular season like the jimmy butler heat have been the best team in the east on average in the east it's time for the miami (laughs) heat and jimmy butler to go their separate ways they need to trade him to a team that can compete for a title this season they aren't going to go on a run again (laughs) like yeah if he they were the eighth seed last year (laughs) they were the eighth they weren't even the eighth seed what they were a playing seed or team and they went all the way to the finals. It's it's funny too because the more digging I do on this Heat team, the more the more I realize part of why they struggle is because Jimmy in the regular season plays so passively and it's like this team actually probably would look a lot better if Jimmy decided to turn it up himself. Yes. Yes, 100%. Well, that was my worst take of the week. Do you have something else? I've got two others written down, man. Oh, wow. Um Jason Tatum just because I'm like, Jason, you got to stop talking about Kobe, dude. It's getting, it's, it's kind of getting weird. He said, quote, Kobe really needed pow for those last two championships that they won together. Whether, whatever path I'm on and we're on, Chris Stapp's Porzingis feels like the missing piece. And he proceeded to lose to the Lakers without LeBron and AD a couple hours after saying that. So it's just so sickening to me to see a Celtics superstar simp so hard for a Lakers legend. It's like if like freaking JJ McCarthy, the quarterback of the uh, of Michigan was just like, "Oh, Troy Smith. I just <laughs> that guy is the best quarterback ever. I can only think of him when I think of college football quarterbacks." Yeah, I just like I I just don't like I don't really get I don't know what like I, it's it's hard to talk about Kobe, you know, obviously with his passing, but 
I don't know what it is. These NBA like star players who seem to really idolize Kobe like can't seem to stop talking about him in a weird way. And it's like, dude, you're Jason Tatum. Like you're like I know he said whatever path I'm on, but like. Why are you comparing yourself to him all the time? It's I think it's weird. I think it's just weird. Just keep it to yourself. Text Kobe's number like you do. <laughs> Which just is weird. Keep that running diary. Do you think, um, is that, like, does nobody else have that phone number now? Like, yeah. what happens? Are just, they constantly are getting text messages from NBA players. Imagine. Oh, my gosh. That's, like, that's the next movie that I want to see. You got Kobe's phone number. Yeah, it's actually a rom-com. It, it's, like... This man had to get a new telephone number, and he was given Kobe Bryant's old number, and he became friends <laughs> with Jason Tatum. With Jason Tatum, is it like like Mike, where like when you get that phone number, you become really good at basketball? Yes, it is. It is. Thank you for contributing. <laughs> um, but to go back to this comparison, though, like we've talked a lot about Porzingis and how good he's been for the Celtics, but the one thing we've been talking about is it's not that Porzingis took some decent team and made them great he took a great already great team and made them like historically great at least you know net ratings wise and all that like Porzingis has really elevated the ceiling of this team um and you know like Kobe played with Shaq but if we're gonna compare this Celtics era to like that Lakers era like those like 06 Lakers teams were like completely devoid of talent it's not like they just added like Pau Gasol and all of a sudden it was like we got rolling you know they added other pieces too oh yeah but like the Celtics team was already really freaking good and good enough for Jason Tatum for if you played well enough to win the title I know he got hurt in game seven last year but I just I don't know these are weird comparisons one other really bad take because this one's even worse Pat Bev love him <laughs> um quote on the Lakers quote when I left they blamed me. They blamed Russ. We're on some of the best teams in the NBA now. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> they traded Russell Westbrook and they went to the Western Conference Finals after being out of the play-in. Also, you're on one of the best teams in the NBA because of Joel Embiid. <laughs> like, that is why. you. And the reason why the Clippers are really good is because of Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and James Harden. It's like someone who like <clears throat> went on vacation in LA one time saying, when I was in LA, it was sunny. Look at it now. It's raining. <laughs> like, <laughs> what are we talking about? That was an amazing trade for the Lakers. Yeah. And <clears throat> it has your team being great has nothing to do with you. Yeah. Like, they would be great <laughs> without you. Same thing with Russell Westbrook. They became infinitely better when he started playing way less minutes. <laughs> Like, I, I'm not saying they don't contribute to winning. I think both those players do contribute to winning. But, like, those teams would be great if you replace them with Yeah, we're not, we're not even dunking on Westbrook and, and Beverly in, like, that sense. It's just, like, the reason the Lakers are struggling is not because they're lacking you two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That So, okay, so, yeah, we have five god-awful takes. I, this, I'm overrun <laughs> with bad takes right now. Um, I think it's the KD one, isn't it? KD's not so a superstar. Th that's already going through. That's I, that's already in. I want to choose another one for this week. Yeah, this week deserves two. You want two? You want two? We want two, I want two. Two for the month. Okay. It's it's February, so it's shorter. And also, we have to pick a January winner. We will t pick a January winner, but we just gotta All we right. gotta settle this right now. I think I think Perk. Yeah, I think Perkins saying the Heat should trade Jimmy Butler is wow. Yeah. 
We're so synergized right yeah, now, I dude. Just, we chose the we chose two of the same. The Pat one, the Pat Bev one, though. I kind of want to run through because if you watch Pat Bev's podcast, like Pat Bev has that way of talking that a lot of people who think they're really really smart, those like dramatic pauses where yeah. he's like, "Well, the Lakers, when I left, they blamed me. They blamed Russ. We're on some of the best teams in the NBA. Like, cool, dude." I'd be on one of the best teams in the NBA, too, if Joel Embiid was my teammate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah, that's – it's just – I don't know. I'm just like, Russ – or not even Russ. Fucking Pat Bev, just, just chill, dude. Yeah. Just chill. The, the thing about the Pat Bev one is, like, I just feel like I could have guessed he was going to say it. If if we made like a predictions pod of like what's Pat Bev gonna say on his podcast this year, it's he's gonna say that the Lakers are bad because he's not on the team. All right, well, all right, we'll give it to Kendrick Perkins. The Heat should trade Jimmy Butler and and, and Gilbert Arenas. Congratulations, guys. Okay, now it is time to select our worst take of the month for, for January. For January. So yes, at the end of the year. All of the worst takes of the months are going off in a battle for worst take of the year. Yeah, we'll, we'll maybe do like a bracket. It might or have something. to be a whole episode. Yeah, it probably will be. There will be a lot of content. But the contestants for this month, we've got James Worthy, who said LeBron's poster dunk on Paul George was the best dunk of the century. Terrible take. Terrible take. Terrible take. We have Kyle Kuzma, who said, at this point, it's like, don't be that team in reference to the Pistons' long um, losing streak, only to then lose to the Pistons (laughs) himself um, in one of their five wins of the season. We've got um, Paul Pierce, who said that Udonis Haslam didn't earn his jersey being retired, which is just an all-time hater move from Paul Pierce. And then last but certainly not least, we have Shaquille O'Neal for the first ever trio of bad takes um, at where he said... <laughs> he said that Bulbul could be one me. He's just lazy. He said, never be honest with women. And, he's, and he said that he would rather play with Dame than Steph because Dame is a better spot-up shooter. <laughs> oh, my God. Bro, okay. The thing with the Shaq one is it's 3-1. and one. It's almost unfair to let it win because it's like a triple entendre. I agree. It is a fucking terrible takes. It's a Shaq-sized <laughs> terrible yeah, take trio. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, my God. Those are so bad. Uh, um, what was the first one again? James Worthy saying that no, uh, LeBron's dunk. That's not, that dunk was pretty good, so it can't be the worst of the month. Um. Damn, I, I don't know. I feel like I, don't, re- I mean, see, I, honestly, I was actually leaning the James Worth. The dunk of the century. That's crazy. I know, but like the Shaq one is. The Shaq one is so bad. <laughs> I thought if we were ruling out the Shaq. The Shaq one made us all laugh out loud as I was reading. All right. The Pierce one is like deep Celtics heat animosity. So I can't say that's the worst take of the month. So, see, it's just the, the worthy one. The only thing with the worthy one is like it was a really good dunk. It was a it was a dunk. It was it was a really good dunk. 
I know, but we didn't see. It wasn't like a DeAndre Jordan Brandon Knight dunk. No, but that that probably is the best dunk of the season. Yeah, century. that is a really great dunk. Yeah, I mean, he was just excited, and he was he's just excited. Like, he gets hyped. Yeah, yeah. This, it's just my my hate for the for Lakers. the Lakers. What is well, so through. the Paul Pierce one? I don't think so. It's what What's was the that? other one? Shaq, and then what? the Shaq other one was Kuzma, which I feel like no nah, clear damn, last January place. was a soft month for yeah, bad yeah. takes. Yeah, one week we actually didn't even choose a, a worst take of the week because all of like <laughs> all right, what if we let Shaq we just we kind of for we let Shaq win. Okay. As the trio, but when it comes down to worst take of the year at the end of the year, he only gets one of them. Okay, I mean even with the 3, I feel like he, with the other worst takes of the month it's still a competition. Like, if we want to keep it basketball-focused, like, I'd rather play with Dame than Steph because he's a better spot-up shooter, which, like, mm-hmm. I don't even know if that's necessarily true. Slash, Shaq, come on, bro. You are a four-time NBA champion. You know there is so much more to playing basketball than spot-up shooting. Um, where are you leaning, Max? I mean, I want to give it to Shaq. Yeah, I think Shaq. Okay, yeah, it. yeah. We'll, we'll have Shaq win. I, I'm for that. So, January winner of worst take of the month is Shaquille O'Neal. Um, Dame is a better spot-up shooter than Steph. Being the Don't be honest with take. women. <laughs> yeah. And, and Bull Bull could be Wemby, but he's just lazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so crazy. So now we pretty much only have like Hall of Fame level um, players as worst take recipients this year. We've got Isaiah Thomas, who said Bull Bull is the best passer and ball handler on the Phoenix Suns. We have Kenyon Martin, who said real hoopers know that Kyrie is better than Luka Doncic. And then we have Carmelo Anthony, who said nobody nobody ever, ask anybody, nobody busted (laughs) Carmelo's ass on defense. Um, Now we've got Shaq, and uh, this month, you know, we got Big Perk. Yeah, I know. We've got some great contenders going into this month. Um... And we'll we'll see how it goes. I don't know. And we've got the trade deadline on Thursday. This should be a great week of NBA content, NBA discourse. Hopefully a great week of NBA bad takes. Yeah. No, I think we're going to get some awful takes. You know, like team trades for Alex Caruso. This team is winning the next three yeah. finals. All right. That's been the Foul Trouble Podcast. We'll catch you guys in the next one. Peace.